everyone back to the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Let's get into our lessons this morning. Our focus verse today is Genesis 25, 33 through 34. Genesis 25th chapter, verse number 33, and it says, And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and, so, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The title of our, of our lesson this morning is Cherish God's Blessings. Amen. How many today feel like they're blessed? Oh, how many feel like we deserve the blessings? Amen. And so many times in that feeling of inadequacy, sometimes even through that we forget to cherish what the Lord has given us. Man, what blessings we have. Y'all heard me say it the other day. Sometimes I just say, I'm just spoiled. God has just spoiled me. The goodness of the Lord and all that he's done and my lack of deserving and the many times I make mistakes, he's been so good and he continues to pour out blessings on me. Amen. Amen. It's up to me to cherish the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Though Jacob's name has the meaning of supplanter, the name also has a connection to the term heel grabber. Names and their meanings are interesting and can be either complimentary or somewhat insulting. Either way, in Scripture, names tend to describe something about the person who has been given the name. In, this, in, in, in the Bible, names meant something. I know Sister Krista, as when we were children, she loved to look up names and try to understand the meaning of names. And, and she named her children things that meant things, and I don't have a clue what my name means. But if you, if you, if you was to put that behind, and if you was trying to define yourself by using your name, I wonder what your definition would be. I wonder if someone was to say, Adam Fuller, I think that means X, Y, and Z, whatever, because uh, he's this way or because uh, he's that way, I wonder what that meaning would be. If someone was to try to describe me today and say, oh, Justin, I believe he is this. I be- I, because he acts this way, Justin must mean that. This name, Jacob's name, means supplanter or heel grabber. What a, what a weird name. What a strange thing. From the moment of his birth, Jacob began to live up to his nickname of heel grabber. In the womb of Rebekah, soon to be born, twins were growing. As the time of delivery approached, the twins vied for a position as they moved around preparing for birth. Esau, who came out of the womb first, was in line to receive the birthright that belonged to the firstborn. That birthright would contain the authority to one day lead the family after Isaac had passed away. Interestingly, at the moment of Esau's birth, Jacob, Jacob's hand was holding onto the heel of his older brother. Hence, the nickname was given. Additionally, at that time, as time went on, Jacob began living up to this nickname of heel grabber in many other ways. Living up to 
a nickname such as this. You know, uh, Proverbs says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And there's a lot of things. Uh, I, I appreciate my last name, and I want to live up to the well's name, if you will, or whatever may be your last name. We should, we should either live up or live down sometimes that name. Uh, there are there's some Wellses out there that I want to live that name down. I hope that ain't me. <laughs> uh, but there's some other things that attribute to my last name that I want to live up to. The name. Jacob could not get over the fact that the birthright would never be his. Even though out of the womb he come out grabbing the heel of his brother, he was not the firstborn, and that was bothering Jacob. Even though he was well taken care of, he coveted the birthright of his older brother. It is amazing that no matter how much some people are blessed by God, they still covet the blessings other people have. My, think about that a moment today. Hopefully that's none of us in here. But I'll, I'll admit I've been there before. I've looked across the way and said, I wish what I had what they had. Maybe I'm the only one today being transparent with you. Amen. I don't want that spirit of jealousy or I don't, I, don't, I don't want to covet someone else's blessings, but I want to appreciate what the Lord has given me. I hear it said all the time, man, I wish I had what the old timers had. Well, there's ways to get what the old timers had. I want it. It seems good. Uh, I think they have a little bit more than I have. But there's always a, pi a price that comes with that. Nothing's free. Amen. Amen. He was looking and wanting what was not rightly his. Esau did not realize the true value of the birthright. The choices he had made in life put him in a position of allowing other things to become more valuable to, to him than the things that really should have mattered. In fact, in Genesis 25, 34 tells us, Esau despised his birthright. This literally means he disdained it. In other words, he made it of less value than other things in his life. So you have one brother here that's not getting the birthright, that is coveting it. And the other brother with the birthright could care less about it. That sounds a lot like how we are today. Amen. In, in our society today, we, we see a lot of jealousy and apathy, both, both ends of the spectrum. I want what he has, and he don't even care about what he's got. Wow. Social media. Everybody wants to show you this great thing so you can be jealous about what they have and they really could care less. Wow. It's amazing. Do we cherish the blessings that the Lord has given us? Do I cherish the blessings that the Lord has given me? What, what do I do with them? What, what am I, what, am I grateful? Or do I even care? Or, or can I not see the blessings that I have because I'm so worried about 
trying to get the blessings that Sister Twyla has. I can't see all the good things that are in my life because Brother Ronald's got something that I, I think is better and I want his. Amen. Help me, Lord, to cherish what I have. One day while Esau was out hunting, Jacob was at home cooking. And upon return from his hunt, Esau was exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, let me have some of that stew. This was the moment Jacob had been waiting for. This was the opportunity to get the birthright he had hungered for from the very beginning. The beginning of his life. Jacob quickly responded to Esau. Before I let you eat anything, you have to sell me your birthright. Esau replied, hey, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? I would rather have a bowl of stew. In that moment, a bargain was struck that would alter the future of both of these men's life. Silly thing. A bowl of lentils. Because I'm hungry. I'm willing to give up that birthright, that that right that I have because I was the first one born over a silly bowl of beans or stew, whatever it may be. Think about that a moment today and maybe you or maybe someone you know. How, have you ever seen someone give up something so good for so, something so insignificant? Trade it out. For something that is so insignificant. You mean to live for God, I have to do that? I have to give up that? No, it's not worth it. And it's so minuscule on the scope of things that matter. Mm, a pot of soup. It is critical we appreciate the birthright we were given when we were born again of water and of spirit. At that moment, God placed his spirit, the most valued possession we will ever have inside of us. Along with his spirit came a birthright, a birthright to all the privilege of being a child of God, including the hope of eternal life with him. God has given us that birthright. When we, when we were infilled with his spirit, we become his sons and daughters and he's given us that promise. Proverbs 23, 23 instructs us to buy the truth and sell it not. No possession, material good, job, relationship, etc., 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 is worth trading away our spiritual birthright. There's nothing more valuable than our spiritual birthright. It's not, it shouldn't be, up for sale. But if it is up for sale, the enemy of your soul will pay the price. If you have a price tag on it, he will find a way to pay. It shouldn't be for sale. While we cannot take away Esau's responsibilities from his own decisions... We have to keep in mind that he grew up in a dysfunctional home. The word of God is filled with references on how to raise godly children and to maintain a godly home. 
with the number of dysfunctional homes in the world, the need for families to be raised in a spiritual environment has never been greater. The foundation that parents prepare in the home will determine how their children view the blessings God puts in their lives. The foundation that parents prepare in the home will determine how their children view the blessings God puts in their lives. As we're raising these little people, we're building this foundation, how they view the blessings of God from that point going forward. What a responsibility. First thing Pastor Moses I have to do is get my heart right and make sure I understand and I cherish and I live every day with gratitude and I am thankful for what the Lord has given me. I, I can tell my children to be thankful, but if I am not thankful, they will not be thankful. But if I live every day with gratitude and I teach them and I show them gratitude towards the things of the Lord, and I build that foundation, I'm building that child's faith going forward. Uh, each and every one of us is a subject of how we were raised. Whether we want to admit that or not, it, it is the truth. And, and I see that play out a lot of times in the workplace. You can tell if someone's uh, lived in a volatile environment because when they get into a situation, they're volatile typically. And, you, and to, a lot of times as people want to get in leadership positions, we have to overcome all of them things back to living down some things that they have learned. I, I want my children to know how blessed we are and how much we should appreciate all the blessings the Lord has given us. It is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord today. It's a blessing to be sitting on padded pews and have the heat blowing and freedom to worship. Amen. It's a blessing. And we can look around this morning and say, you know, there are some churches in Houston that have a whole lot more people than we have. And there's probably Sunday schools across the fellowship that can, Sunday school teachers that can teach this lesson a lot better than I can. And there might be musicians that can play better than what we can play in a minute. And singers that can sing. But, but we're still blessed. And I'm thankful for what we have. And the blessings that he bestowed upon you and I. I'm thankful for what they have. I appreciate that. Good. I'm so glad God blessed you. But he blessed me too. He's been really, really good to me. Amen. I want to cherish them things. I don't want to live with apathy and un, un, don't care. The Lord's been really good. Amen. I want to teach gratitude. Amen. To the next generation. Amen. When the day drew near for Isaac's departure from this world, he made a decision to bestow the blessing on the firstborn. Isaac asked Esau to kill some fresh game and prepare it for him. Hearing this, Rebekah conspired with Jacob to steal the blessing before Esau could return to honor his father's request. She quickly fixed a fresh kid goat meat for her husband. 
This year wrapped the skins of the goats on Jacob's forearm and hands in order to deceive Isaac into thinking Jacob was Esau. When Jacob approached Isaac with the meat, his father asked him, Who are you, my son? And Jacob quickly responded, I am Esau, your firstborn. With that deceptive answer, the heel grabber, if you will remember, deceived his father and received the blessing that was attended for Esau. You know, a lot of times in this story, as we look in Genesis, we focus a lot on Jacob and Esau, and, and rightly so, but what kind of thought process was Rebecca? Where was that thinking coming from? It, it, it seems not to make logical sense in the context of a mother and how a mother loves their child supposedly the same. But there was something here that was uniquely different. She favored the one. Some reason, some maybe some like-mindedness, I don't know, but there was some favoritism shown and that goes back to the dysfunctional nature of the raising of the children. Wow, what a, what a unique thing. And we find that Jacob fell right along into the trap. I, I hear what you say, Mama, but he could have said at any time along the way, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. That's not right. I'm not going to deceive my brother and my father. I'm not going to do either one of them two things. But he did it. He fell right into that trap. I want it. I want what he was going to get, so I'm willing to do this to get it. Mm. Mm. What are we willing to give up to get something that we shouldn't have? Wow. Wow. He was willing to give up his, his credit, his good name, to get something that was not rightly his. Once Esau realized what had happened, Esau was filled with anguish. He cried out with a great and exceedingly bitter cry, according to Genesis 27. His was a cry of anger and discontentment, born out of the heart of, a, of instant bitterness. In his frustration, he begged his father, Bless me, even me also, O oh, my father. But sadly, only after he had lost what should have been valued did he realize what had been taken away from him. Esau was reduced to begging for a scrap of blessing after it was too late. I have found myself there too many times. Knowing what I should have done, knowing where I should have been, knowing what the Lord had told me, and I chose not to do it and find myself a day or a week or a month later begging God, Lord, please forgive me. Please reverse this. I knew I should have been more careful, and I, I knew I should have paid more attention, and I, I knew I should have focused on that more, and I did it. And now here I am. Hmm. You ever had to get down to that place with God and say, God, please, give me another chance. Please, Lord, one more time. Mm. I didn't realize what I had, Lord, until it was gone. So many things we don't miss until they're gone. 
But when they're gone, oh, how I wish I had that back. Mm. Oh, how I wish I had that back. Each of us bears the sole responsibility of cherishing our spiritual birthright and the blessings of God in our lives. The spiritual birthright of being born again is the greatest experience you and I will have this side of heaven. The greatest thing ever. To realize that the God of all glory has forgiven our sins and placed his spirit inside of us is almost beyond comprehension. That's hard to fathom. That this perfect Savior would place his spirit inside this imperfect person. Wow. It's hard to imagine. Knowing that the very presence of God that in times past could only be experienced at a distance is now living in us should impress upon our spirits just how much we should cherish what has happened to us. Do I still cherish that wonderful gift that the Lord has given me the same amount today as I did August the 19th, 1992. I wonder if I still have that same approach as I did that night to the Lord. When I was so lost and I was so hungry for more. Man, and he came and he filled me. Do I still have that same, do I cherish it the same? Do I look at it the same that I've got to have you, Lord? I can't live without you, Lord. Uh, I refuse to leave this church house today, Lord, until I touch you. Uh, I'm not going home today, Lord. Uh, I'm going to stay here until I get what I need from you. Uh, I'm hungry and I'm empty and I'm longing Do I still cherish it that much today? Am I that hungry today? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Do I want it that bad? What Esau failed to realize, and we must never forget, is there's some things that once lost can never be regained. That doesn't mean the Lord won't forgive you. I'm not saying that. But, It may not be the same. There's scars. There's things that we have to overcome. Amen. Lord, I want to hold on to it. I want to cherish it. I want to hold it dear. I want to understand how valuable what the Lord has given me is. Like Esau, there can be other blessings. But also like Esau, they will never be as great as the ones we originally had. We have all heard the saying, some things are just not for sale. That must be the sign we hang over every blessing God has given us. It is not for sale. This blessing today, Lord, is not for sale. And that thing over there, Lord, that you blessed me with, I cherish it. It's it's not for sale. And this and that and this and that, 
the many things that he's blessed us with, not for sale. I'm not willing to give an inch. I'm not moving a, a, an inch, Lord. I'm, I'm holding it true and I'm holding it dear. I cherish it close to my heart today. Amen. Amen. Show that clip. Praise the Lord. Over the years, with almost 20 years of ministry and pastoring and leading people, there's been many times where I've seen Jacob and Esau situations where the calling that was so powerful in their life, maybe they were so gifted to sing, so gifted to speak, so gifted with people, with personality, or the gift of helps to work in so many ministries. To see them at a low moment trade that ministry or calling or gifting for something so insignificant. Things like a relationship that, that wasn't right. Or I've seen people take jobs because of money and trade it and never go back to ministry. It's sad to say it's one of the biggest things that grieves me as a pastor. People that I've discipled, poured my life into. Someone asked me, what's your greatest hurt? The greatest hurt is watching people walk away after I poured my life into them and poured myself into them. Uh, over 20 years of ministry, yes, it's one of the hardest things I deal with. Um, there's always going to be Jacob and Esau situations, I hate to say that, uh, to trade that, that life away. Sad thing is, is that they, they get what they want, but they lost what they had. And I think that principle, which has been taught to me for years by Brother Hudnall, who I pastored, a minister in our church, he taught that. They got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. Um, as they do that, I have learned, though, that those that trade with a loving church, they usually always come back around, and they want me to take the spiritual super glue and put it all back together. And I will say, I've seen them come back and fix things. But, yes, people do trade off. They, they do that. But there's still hope. I give you today, there's still hope of ministries that have failed, that when, when they do, they, they lost they lost what they had. They got what they wanted. But I'm a, I'm a firm believer in people that if they can make a turnaround, they can come back and be restored to ministry somewhat uh, and be used in the church and be used in this last day revival. When you get what you want, is it really what you wanted? Amen. So many times. I, I heard an elder... I heard Pastor Littlefield say that many times. When you get what you want, is that really what you wanted? Mm. Every day, God places blessings in our lives. He makes a deposit from the storehouse of heaven into our accounts on earth. He does this because he loves us and he desires nothing but good for us. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 3 declares just how much God wants to bless us. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations on the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God." Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. All these blessings are predicated on one thing. It's listening. If you will listen to the voice of the Lord, X, Y, and Z. And if you will listen to the voice of the Lord, X, Y, and Z. 
Lord, in this end time, I want to listen. It is our responsibility to cherish every single blessing. It is our responsibility to never take those blessings for granted or to allow them to tarnish in our eyes. That is our responsibility. Don't let it dim and don't let it lose significance. Hold it dear and hold it close. There will always be someone looking to cheat us out of the blessings God has planned for us. They will always have something savory and appealing to offer if we just give up our blessings. There will always come along a time that we want something and we're hungry for it. And there always will be some, something that would fulfill that desire. Don't give up your blessings. Hold true. While the truth is the greatest blessing we have, and we are instructed to buy it and never sell it, every blessing from God should be seen as valuable to us. It would be a tragedy for us to find ourselves where Esau was, bitter and angry over the blessing we have lost. It is far better to cherish the blessings of the Lord and never let anything distract us from their worth. I don't want to find myself in that condition, angry and bitter, frustrated on what I could have had or what I should have had or where I should have been or what I could have done. I want to cherish the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon me. Hasn't he been good? Amen. Can we stand this morning and give him praise? Oh, blessed be your wonderful.